back to Rotowire Signature NHL Hockey Pod Podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host is AJ Scholes, who's a great follow at AJ Scholes24, based in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, near Rotowire headquarters over in Madison. But uh, my co-host has some news. He was not in that area over the last few days. AJ, where the heck were you? I uh, I went off to Vegas with uh, some buddies of mine and uh, spent a few days, like four days out there, uh, you know, just, just hanging out and, and watching some sports. What a dream vacation. I, I, I'm so envious, my friend. I hope it was a plus on the, in the bank book uh, at the end of the day. <laughs> uh, it uh, it was not uh, the the craps tables were not uh, were not great to me uh, this this trip so uh, overall it was a loss but you know came back uh, you know kids college funds and are intact there's not a second mortgage on the house or anything like that so we'll call that a win <laughs> uh, you know what as I always say bet what you can afford to lose and hope you have some fun along the way and I'm sure that the latter was achieved. <laughs> AJ, one of the bits of news that came across the the wires here north of the border was more impactful than south, I guess. But uh, a number of Canadian teams are going to be very busy in the month of February. Uh, We saw the rescheduling of uh, the more than 100 games that have been canceled over the first half of the season. And uh, much of that is going to be made up during the, the what was to be the Olympic break. And uh, the impact on the American teams, though, is something I want to discuss with you because I know several Canadian teams are going to be busy. Look at the Ottawa Senators, for instance. They, they have to play 50 games in 100 days, and that's an onerous schedule. Every second day you'll be on the ice for, for games that count. And uh, meanwhile, uh, some of our American-based teams, uh, Pittsburgh Penguins, 10 games in 28 days. How do you think that's going to shake out when we get past this month and uh, month and a half and uh, the impact on all the teams? Well, yeah, I, th- I mean, I think the the first kind of big thing is I, I like most people, was disappointed to hear that the NHL wasn't going to send players to the Olympics. Um, you know, obviously we want a best-on-best best tournament. Players wanted it too, but when you consider the fact that the two choices because all these games needed to be rescheduled. So let's assume that they're like, yeah, you know, we committed to letting you guys go. We'll let you go. So your two choices are still have the break, but push the season back like a month in order to get all these games in. So then you're, you know, you're not finishing the regular season until the end of May, or you play these games without some of the best players in the world. I mean, does Edmonton really want to play without dry or McDavid for three weeks? You know, Pittsburgh probably would have been without Crosby or Malkin. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I just – when I look at the impact that the number of games and how they have been actually able to fit it into this, you know, three-week break, albeit very condensed, very busy, I think it makes sense more to me to not have the NHL players going to the Olympics because, one, you don't want to hurt your on-ice product by having them play somewhere else. That doesn't even include positive COVID tests over there, injuries over there, any of that stuff, or pushing the season back, which they definitely don't want to do. You need to get back to a normal kind of kind of schedule. So it's going to be condensed. It's going to be busy. We are probably likely to see more injuries. You mentioned that before we hopped on here, Paul, and I totally agree. But at the end of the day, I think it's probably good for hockey fans. We're going to have a lot more 
uh, action on every day, bigger slates in terms of DFS or, or season long. And so hockey fans are, are probably the biggest winners here out of it. Um, you know, as long as got, you know, hopefully guys don't get too hurt or if they do get hurt, it's minor, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I looked at the impact as I mentioned, I uh, looked at Pittsburgh schedule, Buffalo schedule, Dallas, they're each, each playing about 10 games in the, in the month of February the Leafs, for instance, representing Canadian teams on average, they they get a fuller slate. They get 14 games. And oddly, only one set of back-to-back. So that was a solid achievement, at least as far as Toronto's concerned. They have to be pretty pleased with the, with the fact they don't have a whole host of back-to-back games. So there is ample opportunity to get rest in between those days with the days off. And it uh, shouldn't be too onerous a schedule for them. But they're, like I say, the Ottawa's Ottawa Club has to do that the whole rest of the season, basically, and that's going to be tough. They have no breaks uh, going forward, and it'll be interesting to see the impact to all teams once it's all said and done. But a necessary evil, they had very little option because the league was intent on finishing at the end of the regularly scheduled season that was set out at the beginning. They don't want to mess around with uh, the playoff schedule that they have in place, and uh, the money's been paid, I guess, by the sponsors, and they don't want to they don't want any surprises. So that was a big part of it, too. AJ, uh, it's your turn to lead off as we go through the rosters of the 32 teams. And we're back to uh, a schedule where we had enough games that we can highlight some of the top performers, as well as the most recent injuries on each of the clubs. So why don't you kick us off with a look at Anaheim, please? Yeah, for Anaheim, it's it's a pretty banged up club now all around. Um, you're talking about... You know, Sonny Milano day to day with with an injury. Um, guys like Cam Fowler, Adam Henrique, uh, Troy Terry are all in various states of either on injured reserve or, or the COVID protocol list. And so, um, you know, Josh Mahura picks up an injury, which you know compounded. You know, Fowler's out, Mahura picks up an injury, Josh Manson is out. So a lot of like D guys kind of compounding one another. They did get John Gibson back last night. That's certainly a step in the right direction for them. So it's, I think they're headed in the right, you know, the right direction, but overall, I think it's going to probably take another couple of games here before they're having a more complete team. Um, And that's going to make it hard to use some of these guys. You look at the last week, offense has been pretty minimal, which doesn't come as a surprise uh, Max Comtois, two, two points, Trevor Zegers, two points, uh, Shattenkirk with one here. So they're going to need some guys to stack, stack, uh, step up rather. Jakob Silverberg is one of the guys that, that really needs to do more for them, you know, and, and it goes all the way around a guy like Sam, Sam Steele, who wants to have a bigger role. He shouldn't be putting up zero points in, in three games. He needs to, do a little bit more. I mean, perhaps, you know, seven shots is, is decent over that stretch, but definitely with the number of guys out, you'd expect more from, from somebody at, at his level here. You know, in Arizona, they got to be feeling pretty good. They had a winning week that haven't had too many of those. They still rank 31st in the entire NHL. Two one and one was the record. And uh, the offensive mathematics from a few different players was notable. Uh, Schmaltz with three points. Keller with four. You expect those guys to be leaders of the pack. Even Phil Kessel, who I think AJ is going to be highly sought after at the trade deadline, should he wish to move, he picked up four more helpers and remains one of the more interesting playmakers that could be available at the trade deadline. And uh, if you want to boost an offense, 
I would look no further than him. He'll be motivated to, to take another playoff run if he gets that opportunity. He'd be but a better team that he's with right now. But uh, I've been maligning the likes of Larson and Boyd, two of the four centers that uh, they've had in place for much of the year. I, I kind of jokingly referred to that four-pack as a bunch of fourth liners all playing one of the four center positions. But, but Larson had four points last week. Boyd had two goals. And Boyd, both of them are enjoying career-best seasons. And, in fact, Boyd is on pace for a 20-goal year that couldn't net even 45 points. Larson is on pace for 35 to 40. So nothing to sneeze at. They've made the best of, of their opportunities and uh, probably will get better contracts as a result of, of what they're doing right now. I'm also interested to, to see... If he can stay healthy, what happens to, to Lawson Krause? He had a goal and two helpers last week. He's a pending RFA, and he'd garner a lot of trade interest on the open market. Yeah, but he is a restricted free agent. So uh, the way I see it, Arizona has to have some building blocks in place, and I think this guy is one of them. He's in the middle of a breakout campaign with a 40-point pace, so good for him. And in the next, they may have found something of an answer long-term with Carol Vimalka. We joked about him being... Uh, looking like he was in a rubber factory for much of the season. But he's got to feel good about what's happened lately. Four wins in his last six starts, and he's taken uh, uh, goals against average and save percentage numbers into a respectable range for a club, as I said, that's 31st in the over, overall standings. For the Bruins, uh, two in one week. Uh, Pasternak getting back to kind of his scoring ways, three goals to assist. Charlie McAvoy, four helpers. Uh, Marchand one and three, uh, you know, Bergeron three points, Hall three points. So really all things looking up for them. Uh, and it looked like things were going to just be seamless for Tuka Rask here at one point. His first game against the Flyers gives up two goals on 27 shots, uh, a really decent first outing back given how long he'd been off. Um, but then, of course, the Carolina game on Tuesday, he gets the hook after giving up five goals on 12 uh, 12 shots so clearly everything is not going to be you know there's some rust there to to work off and and that's not surprising um, in terms of health they'll get Nick Foligno back tonight so that's certainly a step in the right direction and so far it seems like the move uh, to to put Pasternak on, on basically his own line I know he's playing with Taylor Hall um, but really you know you wouldn't call this anything other than the Pasternak line um, I think is is so far working out for them as long as those guys can continue to produce, I don't see any real reason uh, to move him back with Marchant and Bergeron at this point. In Buffalo, uh, Jeff Skinner continues to score at a decent pace this year, uh, distancing himself for, uh, from a couple of terrible campaigns. It, it's a pretty respectable one that he's putting together. He had five points last week. Mark Jankowski, a couple of new additions to their roster in the last little hour. Mark Jankowski getting a regular turn and making the most of his time. He picked up two goals last week. Alex Tuck, loving life in the Queen City. Seven points in seven games so far, and he really has become an instant fan favorite there. Youngster Dylan Cousins is starting to score regularly as well with three points. And uh, the goaltending, though, is, is the real problem and newsworthy item on a weekly basis. It, it's a wonder. They have six guys that have played so far in the Nets there this year. And uh, currently Aaron Dell and Michael Hauser, who made his NHL debut, uh, season debut last week, are the two healthy choices. Uh, and they'll be rotating in and out. It's going to be probably a win and you stay in kind of a deal. But the news from the infirmary is, is, is spreading to the rest of the roster. And uh, of late, Kyle Poser dealing with an upper body injury. He's out week to week. It's too bad because he, like Skinner, has had a bit of a rebound campaign after a couple of dismal years in Buffalo and was showing well. 
but currently derailed, and it'll be a while, a while before he's back. Vinny Hinostroza in the same boat. This guy was brought in to be a playmaking forward, and he really hasn't had an extended run with good health, currently plagued by a lower body injury that sees him expected to be out week to week as well. So uh, they're looking for Tuck and Tage Thompson, who have shown well, uh, who's shown well all season long to kind of be the, the pieces that they build around. But they've also brought in Peyton Krebs, who was a part of the deal with Vegas and Jack Eichel, and he's getting a cameo appearance at center as well. So a lot of new faces getting their, their feet wet in Buffalo, and it's audition time over there. For Carolina, it's anything but audition time as they are in the thick of things in their division here. And look, uh, I, I hate to keep rubbing it in your face, Paul, but Freddie Anderson just continues to roll. Uh, two and one last week, he, he started all three of those games. And in his last 10, he's 9-1-0. and oh. um, Really just even the, you know, the couple of maybe, I wouldn't even call them bad outings, but he had two games where he gave up three goals, neither one a, a terrible save percentage, and he was able to get wins. So when he does have maybe a little bit of a struggle, um, he's getting the offense that he needs to, to help him out and, and get him through. And most of that lately has been coming uh, from Sveshnikov with a goal and three assists in the last week. Tony D'Angelo, four helpers in those three games. Uh, uh, Kotkanemi with two goals as well. So, I mean, there's really not a lot negative to say about this team right now. They are going to lose Jordan Martinuk, who entered the COVID protocols just this week, along with Mart- uh, Martin Nekash. So they, they are starting to lose a few guys, so they're going to need some more depth. But as far as the top of the lineup, you know, Teravainen, Aho, Sveshnikov, Trocek, these guys are all still healthy right now. You know, I'll, I'll knock on wood for the Hurricane fans out there, but um, things seem to be rolling for them right now, and it's reflected in their performance and in their spot um, in the standings. You know, they're, they're two points back of the Rangers in the Metro, but they've got four games in hand, so easily – um, can put themselves at, at the top of this division. AJ, I'm very happy for Freddie Anderson. I got to say that he toiled heroically in Toronto and under a lot of uh, criticism from time to time. I didn't think it was justified then. I, I look back and I think it's not justified even from this perspective. And uh, he's just doing what he's done everywhere else in his career, and that's just win regularly. So he's got a very good team, but I think he's always. All, He's played a part in, in the success as well and can take his fair share of the credit there. So happy for him, and I hope it continues as well. In Calgary, this is another team that can feel pretty good about where they are this year, and it's veterans that are leading the group. Uh, Kachuk, four points last week. Goudreau, five. Monaghan, still in the lower half of the roster for the most part, though he's getting power play time, still getting power play time. He's showing well offensively, AJ, finally getting off the mat a little bit. Six points in his last eight games played, and he's still got the A on his shirt. So you know that he's well regarded in, in the dressing room and hope that he can really turn it around and join the top six on a full-time basis going forward. But a uh, couple of question marks uh, for me. Uh, one, The one biggest one is Jacob Markstrom has looked pretty ordinary in uh Four of his last six starts, he's been shelled for at least four goals against. So he's hit a bit of a flat spot in the season. I've been touting this guy as a Desmond Trophy candidate. He's kind of fallen off that pace with, with the recent performance, and you wonder if he can get it back. Maybe he just needs a little bit of a rest, and hopefully Daniel Gladar can, can step in and play a couple of games and spell him when he, uh, while he figures things out going forward. But 
I, I like the way this team looks offensively. They have three very good scoring lines as long as uh, Elias Lindholm and Michael Backlund continue to play at the level that they are at center, driving their two lines, and, of course, Monaghan with the third. But the guy who's really emerged this year on the back, two guys have emerged on the back end. We thought it was going to be a problem replacing Mark Giordano, but Rasmus Anderson has picked up a lot of the power play time, as has Oliver Shillington. They've both taken steps to advance their the, their careers and pad their resumes resumes with solid performances this season so that uh, the departure of their former captain was not going to be a uh, fateful blow. They, they've managed to survive it and survive it quite nicely. So in Chicago, um, you know, 2 0 in one week, which really continues a strong run of form that, that Marc-Andre Fleury has been putting together of late. Um, you know, he's in his last five games, 4-0-1, a 1.37 goals against average. And despite this, you know, winning streak, uh, if you will, Chicago still at the bottom of the central, not the very bottom, but they're seventh in the central right now with 36 points. So it would really take an extended run here. And look, with the trade deadline being as far back as it is right now, I think Chicago might be one of the teams most likely to benefit from that because they can push off having to decide if they're buyers or sellers for at least another month here. Um, and, and that could really benefit them. Ultimately, I don't think they're going to get into a playoff spot here um, and they will end up being sellers. But w- again, if they had to make this decision at the end of February, which is usually about when the deadline is, then maybe they're in a tighter spot. They're looking to sell now, even though they've got this good run going now they can kind of give it February, see what happens um, and then go from there. And one of the names that I think is probably going to draw some interest out there is going to be Marc-Andre Fleury. He, he's playing really well right now. Um, as, as I mentioned, he started all of those, those five games. Um, and, you know, he's on the last year of his salary. So Chicago could easily eat half of that. So then you're suddenly looking at just, you know, $3.5 million in terms of what a team has to take on. And look, from Chicago's perspective, too, they only have one pick in the first two rounds of the upcoming draft. Now, they could, through a myriad of circumstances, get their first-round pick back and defer it off for a year as part of the Seth Jones trade. But ultimately, um, I think they would want some draft capital. And I think right now, um, the price tag is high on, on Flurry. There's probably a few other guys that could be you know, in consideration, more depth pieces here I don't think there's a lot of their starters would necessarily be in the mix but how about a guy like Brett Connolly who's got one more year remaining on his deal or Ryan Carpenter both bottom six players that could be you know nice role pieces for for a team in the hunt here well uh, I'll pick up on that theme when we go to the Columbus Blue Jackets situation this is a team that is is disappointing quite frankly they have a couple of goalies that you have thought would have, would have carried the back end. They have a defense that, that still boasts one of the top offensive defensemen in the league in Brad Wierenski. And they have some perform, underperformers up front who are pending free agents, one RFA, one a UFA, where I'll start a discussion with you, AJ. Patrick Liney is playing out a $7.5 million cap hit this year, pending RFA. Boy, this guy's star has fallen. He's not scoring regularly at all. And you wonder... Does this team look, uh, does it, somebody come calling on this guy and saying, you know, we'll take him off your hands and we'll give you uh, a couple of nice assets to think about. Uh, 
I wonder if a team like Montreal, with all their draft picks, can can come to them and say, "We'll take them and, and uh, make them a part of our rebuild over here." Or uh, a more prominent team in the standings going forward can see if they can they can do something similar to get ready for a playoff run. And then there's Max Domi, who is really underperformed. He's in the doghouse over here in Columbus, playing fourth line minutes, AJ, and just not factoring in. Uh, other than a couple of cameos, the odd time on the power play there, but really not a factor. And he's playing out a $5.3 million cap hit. So I'm really curious to see how things play out in Columbus regarding those two players. But on the plus side, Boone Jenner's having a real good year on pace for the second 30-goal scoring season of his career, way better than he's done in any of the last five years offensively. So if he can continue that and Jack Roslavic and Alex Sessier continue to do what they do, I think there's really good potential in the middle of the ice at the center position. And they have to be pleased, at least from a playmaking perspective, what they've got from Jacob Voracek. But he has a very strange line, offensive totals, AJ, one goal and 24 assists. That's... That's hard to fathom uh, that a guy can play a regular shift as long as he has this year and only come up with one goal. But on the other hand, 24 assists puts him among the league leaders. So uh, a real dichotomy there when you're looking at him. And some question marks on this roster that make it uh, a team to watch to see how they behave around the trade deadline for sure. That's only a couple of weeks away. Yeah, Paul, the one thing I would just add is, you know, does somebody taking line A, it's not just, you know, getting him for this year, but then you're on the hook for the headache of trying to re-sign him, uh-huh. um, you know, to that RFA deal. So that that could leave a few teams out of it because I obviously, you know, I think we both would fairly assume that he's going to want more money based on how good he thinks he is. But uh, the production, I agree, Paul, just hasn't been there. One team that hasn't really been struggling for production, although they didn't do exactly what I wanted them to do last night uh, when I used a bunch of their players on DFS is the Colorado Avalanche 4-0. and And actually, Pablo Francouz gets the three uh, three of those starts this last week, uh, undefeated in all of them, a 9-4-3 rather save percentage, one shutout. Um, but, you know, Darcy Kemper looked fine in, in his lone, uh, you know, his lone start as well. Uh, one and oh nine seven oh save percentage there so uh yeah getting good net mining from both guys the offense you know like i said it, it wasn't there last night they had just two goals but they didn't need any more um but miko rantanen six points in four games mckinnon five and four uh andre berikovsky five and four kadri with two goals and assists as well and you know paul you talk about uh, guys on on expiring deals, I I think I, you know, with with that top line, this window is not closing by any stretch of the imagination. But this might be one of their best opportunities to make a deep playoff run here. When you consider, you know, Nazem Kadri is probably going to be hard to re-sign at his four and a half million. Andre Burakovsky is at four nine. Like he, I think he'll be tough to re-sign. There's a couple of defensemen. Both goalies would need new contracts next year as well. So I do think this team is in a tough spot moving forward, but that's obviously not the priority right now um, to, to try and win. They don't have a ton of assets really to trade much. They've got one pick in the first four rounds of the upcoming draft. So I don't expect them to be big adders Um you know, at, or big buyers, if you will, at, at the deadline here. I think they'll just ride with what they have, hope they can make a deep run now before they have to, you know, figure out what to do with some of these UFAs. 
Uh, AJ, it was probably the worst week of the season for the Dallas Stars. They went 0-3 and scored five goals while giving up 15. Those are not numbers that you want to have on a long-term basis. So they got to turn things around as quickly as possible. They have to be thrilled, though, that uh, one of your favorite guys in the league, Joe Pavelski, is continuing to roll along. Three more points to his total. He's having a great season for them and uh, just proving to be an ageless, ageless wonder who just keeps chugging along and driving some of the offense there while a couple other guys are struggling. They're also going to get good news from the infirmary this week. Braden Holpe is back from his stint in COVID and will start tonight against the Buffalo Sabres, I'm told, unless you have more uh, current information, AJ. And then in terms of a couple of offensive pieces, Jason Robertson still day-to-day with a lower body injury and won't play tonight versus Buffalo, but he's got close to returning. That'll boost the offense just as the return of Alexander Radulov, who should come off COVID protocol soon. He went on in January the 12th, so we're coming around to the eighth day that he's been out, and that's a little longer than some of the guys. So maybe he has, he's had some complications. We don't know for sure. Ryan Suter, they, they spent a lot of money to get this guy in the fold, AJ. They committed a lot, and they're not getting their bang for the buck most recently. This guy normally is a high-scoring, steady-scoring defenseman, only one assist to show for his last 13 games. That's not going to cut it, and uh, he should be up there around where Miro Heiskanen is in terms of contributing to drive this offense. And until he gets rolling, they're going to be at a bit of a disadvantage. In the Motor City, uh, they are dealing uh, with their backup goalie, Thomas Grice, being on the COVID protocols, but that hasn't stopped Alex Nedeljkovic uh, in his last three games, went 2-1, and one. Really, you know, solid numbers here. A 951 save percentage, one shutout in there as well. And as we mentioned, I think it was last week, you know, we talked about the fact that uh, the, the Red Wings are not going to be a playoff team. I, I think the division is just too tough. You know, Tampa, Florida, Toronto, and Boston are, are the four teams at the top of that. And even one of them potentially might not make the playoffs, depending on what the wild card situation looks like. Um, on the other half of, of the Eastern Conference. So Detroit's not going to be a playoff team, but they're certainly uh, not without uh, some some fight to them. You know, again, I'll, I'll stress that they're 13-6-2 at home. And so if Detroit's playing a game at home, they, you have to maybe consider looking at them in terms of, of DFS options. and Or for season long, if they're playing multiple games at home, they don't have any road games. Again, maybe look at some of these guys. And that starts, as always, with Dylan Larkin. Two goals, two assists uh, in those last three games. Tyler Bertuzzi, four points as well. Robbie Fabry, Lucas Raymond, both with a pair of of points here. So they've they've got some diamonds in the rough, if you will, guys that you can pick out when the matchup makes sense. And and at this point, it seems like whenever they're at home uh, is the opportunity to, to hit when the iron's hot. And in uh, Edmonton, of course, they made some headlines, at least north of the border. There was a pretty interesting press conference exchange that was televised here, AJ. It involved Leon Dreisaitl and a veteran member of the Edmonton media. They went kind of toe-to-toe and didn't, didn't look good on either one of the guys. Uh, some cheap, A cheap line of questioning, in my opinion, from the reporter led to the, the major uh, fallout that I saw. But I don't think Dreisaitl did himself any favors, of course. The, the intent of the reporter was to throw the goalies under the bus and get them to say that that was the real problem they're dealing with. Of course, the whole defensive side of their game is not working out well. They're winless in six, and uh, there's some real concern here about 
where do they go from here? I mean, the story came out from another reporter up north of the border, AJ, I'm not really sure that you're aware, but Elian Friedman, who works with Hockeynet in Canada, he reported that uh, Connor McDavid uh, has has given Ken Holland basically two, he had given Ken, Ken Holland two years to get things turned around in a positive direction. Last year was one of them. This is the second one. It's not going very well. And you wonder if uh, McDavid ever gets his mind made up and says, you know what, I've had enough here. That could be a seismic situation in Edmonton that will lead to a lot of changes. It makes me wonder about Zach Hyman. What does he think about committing to this team long-term, particularly if there's uh, noise that maybe McDavid won't be here for the long haul. Speaking of Hyman, he's day-to-day with an undisclosed injury, won't suit up tonight, so that's not going to help the cause. Ryan Nugent Hopkins still out as well, but he's resumed skating at least, and the hope is he's going to rejoin this team next week. They're going to need both those guys on hand sooner rather than later. they got a tough matchup tonight against Florida that I don't think is going to go well either, so can't wait for the postgame reporting on that one as well. For the Florida Panthers here, a two-in-one week, Sergei Bobrovsky picking up both of those wins and a ton of offense to, to talk about here. And, and really they continue to, to be uh, another really dominant team here. Sam Bennett, five goals, two assists in those three games. Jonathan Huberto racks up six points. Duclair Verhage, both atop the list of, of scores from the last week. And I mean, there's just so much to really like about this team. Uh, their depth is almost unheralded in, in terms of guys that they're capable of healthy scratching. Um, they are going to be without Patrick Hornquist. At, at least tonight he's dealing with an injury. Um, you know, Frank, but a guy like Frank Vitrano is going to be scratched, a healthy scratch tonight. Not a huge point producer, but like I think Vitrano could easily be a top, you know, top nine guy maybe. Uh, for sure a bottom six lineup lock on on any other team. But they've just got so much depth in this squad that they are able to kind of rotate around. And I think long term, it's going to keep guys fresher. It's going to protect them against injury when Patrick, you know, a guy uh, like Patrick Hornquist is out. Um, yeah, I just really like the construction of this team right now. Um, and I think Florida is poised to really make some waves in the postseason. The difficult part for them is that they have to get past Tampa Bay, which, as we all know, has been impossible the last two years. Yeah, amen to that, partner. <laughs> Can't wait to see the playoffs in the Atlantic Division going forward. A couple of minefield-like matchups in the first round, first two rounds for sure. In uh, Los Angeles, look, this team has kind of done a rebuild on the fly, AJ, and they've, they've picked away and they've added some pieces over the last few years. And uh, some, some of their veterans still keep chugging along here, and that's the best news of all, that they have somebody to drive to lead the way again for these guys. And uh, so Anze Kopitar having maybe his best offensive season in his last four. And uh, Iofalo continues his development, and he's full value for a top six role there. Victor Arvidsson has delivered the goods that they figured when they signed him as a free agent. So three nice pieces to lead it off. Dustin Brown, uh, uh, workmanlike effort to, to be a key part of this offense continues. And then Jonathan Quick has had a bit of a reversal of form over the last couple of years, and he's really taken the bit away from Cal Peterson to run things in the nets. And uh, so a lot of things to feel really good about, but there's a couple of question marks 
that bear mentioning. We've been wondering what the heck is wrong with Andreas Athanasiu, and there's no real clarity here, AJ. He's got a lower body injury. He's about to miss his 10th straight game. And when healthy, this guy's a lock to be a top six player here. So he he's a piece that they really miss. And then you want to see a guy like a Quinton Byfield take the next step. So there's room for more even though this team has really factored more into the playoff race than we anticipated, I think the best is yet to come. And they've got some real nice things happening here on defense. They also added Thomas Bjornfoot earlier in the year, but most recently Sean Dursey, who came up to the, from the Toronto ranks in the minors and was part of a, a trade uh, last year that saw him go over. And now he's getting a chance to play and he's scoring at a 40 point pace on their defense, albeit in a, in a handful of games so far. Uh, you wonder if he can continue that, but, Another found piece. And then Mikey Anderson thriving alongside Drew Doughty. Another good development on the back end. And he chipped in with some offense last week. And to show that he can be a capable producer going forward is going to be his challenge. Paul, you mentioned uh, Quentin Byfield. So I just wanted to follow it up quick since we do have news about about him. He's going to play tonight. That'll be his season debut for the Kings. He's got six points in 11 games down in the minors right now. Um, So he's really going to you know, attempt to hopefully for him secure his spot. You know, we only saw him in six games last year. Um, he's got another year of, you know, professional experience under his belt and certainly will try and make a push to, to secure a permanent roster spot. Another young player who's been doing that is Matthew Bowlby for Minnesota. Um, a goal and two assists in, in five games uh, since being called or four games rather since being called up from the minors. Or two goals, two assists. Let me let me get everything right. Matthew Boldy, two goals, two assists since being called back uh, in four games. So uh, I, I think what's surprising here is not that they didn't expect big things out of him. This is a guy they drafted 12th overall back in 2019. But when he was first brought up, he came up at the same time as, as Marco Rossi. And so I think they were obviously a lot of people, myself included, were probably assuming that Rossi was going to be the guy that stuck around a little bit more. Um, you know, you won't, unfortunately, um, teams are making it rather difficult on us uh, with the taxi squad stuff. So you won't see Boldy currently listed on the depth chart for Minnesota. They've been kicking him back to the taxi squad after every game. But I would wholly anticipate that he'll continue to play for them, especially when you consider Nick Bukesat is is still out of the lineup. And then Ryan Hartman is now dealing with a non-COVID issue, raising doubts about his availability tomorrow against Chicago. So look for Boldy to be back in the lineup. And I really think, uh, you know, tomorrow against Chicago might be a good opportunity to get him in your DFS lineups here. In Montreal, they had their best week in several weeks, AJ. They actually won a game and they got another point for an overtime loss. So three points out of three games, a bit of a high watermark for the league's last place team. Christian Dvorak paced the offense with a pair of goals. Jonathan Drouin, He's had a nice year for them, AJ. When healthy, he's been a regular producer. He chipped in with three assists last week. But let's face it. Let's cut to the chase. The front office is in place now. That's the big news here. Kent Hughes was brought in. This guy is a former player agent that he has he has had a relationship with several of the NHL's top players, including Patrice Bergeron, in his role as a uh, player agent. And you think he's probably carved out a pretty a number of pretty good contacts in among the NHL players and you, know, you wonder if this is something they're going to leverage when it comes to free agency and uh, the familiarity that some players may have with him could be an advantage for Montreal to 
bring people in to, to be part of the uh, rebuild here that's going to be pretty significant and pretty deep, I think. I, I don't think this one is one that's going to be on the fly and hope to contend. They're going to have to almost go scorched, scorched earth here. And the first step for me is wondering what they do with Carey Price. And that was complicated this past week when news came out that he's basically had to start from scratch in terms of his rehab, his physical rehab. So he's not expected to play anytime soon. It wouldn't shock me, AJ, that he doesn't play the rest of this season while he gets himself right. Uh, the Canadians aren't going anywhere, so why press that? Unless the idea is to get him looking like he's capable of playing and maybe a team bites on him and, and says, you know, we'll take him if you eat some salary. And that's a big salary, a $10 million price tag for the next several years. That's going to have to be worked out if somebody does take uh, take him on. But if when healthy, he's the best goalie of Canadian origin, let's say, uh, that's in the NHL. I still say I believe that if he's healthy, he could still be at that level. So that's the challenge. What does Montreal do with him and a couple other big ticket items? They're going to have question uh, conversations with some of their veteran players to see if they want to be part of this rebuild or if they want to be moved out. So we'll be hearing more news off the ice than on from the Canadians the rest of the season, and it's going to be compelling to see how this rebuild looks. Well, Paul, I have to start by correcting you in that Carey Price is not the current best Canadian-born NHL goalie. I mean, there's no question that it's Marc-Andre Fleury. All right. Uh, so let's start by getting our facts straight here. Um, I agree with you, though. And The problem with Carey Price's contract is obviously the price tag, right? Who who can afford to take on $10.5 million uh, right now, especially with the flat caps and everything? But maybe a bigger issue is that there's five years left on it. Like, yeah. are the Habs really going to eat a portion of that? I mean, to make it palatable for another team, they probably would have to consider getting it down to seven for another team to take on. So are they really going to eat three and a half million dollars for the next four seasons? Uh, I, I just don't see it. I don't see how how it works um, for them to to get there. So but I agree it's, it's going to be an interesting one to watch and, and figure out if he, he plays it all, which he very well may not. In New Jersey, hold on, hold on a second. Let me get in there and tell you that uh, Carey Price was given the starting job for the NHL, the Canadian entry to this, this year's Olympic team. The news was that I have that he's been handed, he was handed that job if he was going to get himself healthy. They never mentioned Marc Andre Fleury. I'll just put that out there. Well, then the people who run uh, Team Canada don't know what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that then. Okay. And we'll, we'll, I mean, if you want to let him defect, we'll take Flurry. You know, uh, at, at this point, there probably won't be another uh, best of tournament, maybe for either of these guys. But uh, if you want to let Flurry defect to the U.S. and let him play for us, by all means, go ahead. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll get to New Jersey. Although you know, really, why? Um, they're on a three-game losing streak. Uh, they have three goals in their last two games, uh, three combined goals coming from Nico Heischer, Nathan Bastian, and, and Igor Sharangovic. Uh, you know, there's just not a lot to really uh, be excited about because the, the problem is right now this team is scoring like the historical New Jersey Devils teams, but they're not backstopped by Marty Brodeur in those two games. John Gillies puts up an 8-8-0 save percentage, and that was the better numbers between the two games. Blackwood 
gives up four goals on just 17 shots, you know, a four, two, two goals against average. Like it's, it's one thing to be, you know, not need a lot of offense, but if you don't have a way to stop the goals from going in, I just don't see how many more, you know, New Jersey's probably going to get passed by the Islanders here for the bottom of the Metro sooner rather than later. The Isles have eight, uh, six games in hand. And so, yeah, New Jersey, I think, is going to very easily wind up on the bottom. Maybe they could challenge the, the Flyers for that spot, um, but it, it's not going good for them the rest of the way. You know, in Nashville, we've talked a lot over the years about how their defense was the strongest part of this team. But uh, let's begin by looking at UC Saros' slate over the last several games, giving up a total of 16 goals against AJ. That's very unlike what we are used to seeing in Nashville. A lot of it has to do with the fact that their defense is not what it once was. We used to talk about this team in the last couple of expansions. How many defensemen could they protect? They would have liked to protect more than four probably in each of the last two drafts. But right now, two of them are, are sidelined. Matias Eckholm is in COVID protocol. And Dante Fabro is with, dealing with upper body injury. He's out week to week. So that's really putting a lot of pressure on the offense. And when you consider that they're hoping that a guy like Eli Tolvanen pulls uh, on the rope and uh, takes on a first string role, he's got less than a handful of, he's got a handful of goals, five on the season to date. And uh, they've promoted him to a top top line role here. Their best left winger is on the second line, Philip Forsberg. He drives that unit though, along with Mikhail Granlund. To his credit, I'll say Ryan Johansson's had a nice uh, comeback season. He and Matt Duchesne both playing for, for big dollars. We've, Lamented that fact most of the time that they've been in Nashville, but both of those guys at least are doing uh, themselves a, a, a good service by having very good seasons. Tanner Janot has had a, a great uh, surge recently, and he's up to 24 points in 41 games played. That came up, production came out of nowhere, so he's doing what he can to bolster this this offense. But really, until they get things sorted out on the back end and and in net, uh, they're going to need a lot more scoring to cover up for the deficiencies behind the blue line well the islanders as i mentioned have just 32 games played um and for starting with the end of february almost every week uh throughout the remaining calendar they are going to be playing at least four times a week there there's one or two uh weeks in there in in like i said in march and april where they have only three games um but really it's going to be packed for the Islanders, and and obviously um, that's that's going to be a tough go for them. You know, the one maybe nice part is that because they were so front loaded with away games when they started the season because this, the arena wasn't ready, they do have most of these busy stretches are home games, even a couple of home back to backs on the schedule here as well. So. At least they won't have to travel quite as much with with that busy schedule. Um, but like I said, I I wouldn't count out the Islanders, despite the fact that they're eighth in the Metro. But you consider, at a minimum, they've got four games in hand on the Columbus Blue Jackets, who are sitting in fifth, uh, and and they're only three points back. So if they can have another week like they just did, they went three and one this past week. Sorokin picks up a pair of wins. Uh, Bailey goes off for four points as well. Parise with three, Clutterbuck with three. Um, so they, they're right there. And I, I, it's not going to be easy for them, not only the schedule, but in terms of total points, they are 
you know, uh, let me do some quick math here. They're about 19 points behind the Penguins with six games in hand for the four spot. So it's not an easy climb, but they've showed that they can string wins together and they've got a couple of extra ones to, to try and do it. AJ, I got a close look at the New York Rangers last night and I like what I saw from that team. Their big guns are firing. Chris Kreider uh, quietly among the league leading goal scorers. He picked up four last week. Uh, one nice one last night. Adam Fox got two goals and four assists last week. Ryan Reeves had the first two goals of his campaign last night against the Maple Leafs. Artemi Panarin with four helpers. Mika Zibanejad with a total of four points. And Ryan Strom with four points. Those are the guys you expect to score. But when you consider the fact that they have Alexi Lafreniere, who was a top draft pick in his class, and they have Kapu Kaka, who was, I believe, second in his draft class. These guys haven't reached their maturity. Kapu's in his third year, Lafreniere in his second. When these guys get up to uh, up to speed at the NHL level, this is going to be a scary-looking team. They're already on their way to being a, uh, one of the best teams in the league this year. There's no question about that. It's a really good team at either end of the ice. We mentioned Fox on defense. Keandre Miller and Ryan Lindgren and Jacob Trouba, they, they combined to – form one of the top four D, D uh, cores around the NHL. Igor Shosturkin making his case for a run at the Bezina Trophy with his outstanding work on the year. So really, uh, this is uh, a rebuild that has to have Montreal Canadiens fans licking their chops because it has Jeff Gordon's fingerprints all over it. He was a guy that presided over this and uh, did put a lot of these pieces in place. And the hope is that he can repeat it north of the border. Paul, there's an old phrase, uh, if it weren't for bad luck, he'd have no luck at all. And that has to apply to Ottawa's Matt Murray right now. Finally get some wins after having, you know, a real bad start to the season. Two wins this last week, starting to look good, back in the NHL after a stint in the minors, and then he gets sick. Now they're saying uh, right now it's a non-COVID illness. Um, unfortunately, he's not going to be able to play against the Penguins, which I'm sure was a game he, you know, circles on the calendar every year to, to go up against them again. And so he's going to miss that game. Um, and, and unfortunately, uh, like I said, just, you know, starts to get on a roll here and then something like this pops up um, for, for him. Now, I will say one of those wins, he did allow four goals, um, of course, to the Edmonton Oilers, who put in a lot of goals on a lot of people. But, you know, with uh, you know kind of the backup from his team, he was able to get the win. Some of the notable guys who put up points in this last week, Alex Formanton, four points, uh, all at even strength, with, which is, you know, a really nice bonus. They are going to put him uh, on the power play heading into tonight's game. So there's a name. Maybe if you're looking for somebody a little bit further down the price list uh, for your DFS lineups, Formanton is set to see time with the power play. They didn't specify if it would be the first or the second. I would imagine it's the second group, um, but currently playing his way into a bigger role and and might be a guy to target if you're willing to fade uh, Pittsburgh. All right, and we'll finish up the first part of the show with a look at the Philadelphia Flyers, AJ, and – that is uh, punctuated by the team is on a nine-game winless streak. I'm sure that breaks your heart. But uh, despite that rubble, uh, Travis Konechny's kind of turning his season around a little bit in the last couple of weeks. Picked up three points last week. Scott Lawton is a guy who's a serviceable guy on, on any team that he's ever played on, uh, junior or 
pro, and he's got three assists and really a pro's pro, this guy, a, a guy that is a solid teammate and a, and a guy who will represent well. Despite the troubles here, he's trying to do his part. Cam Atkinson has had a very nice year in, in, in Philadelphia, and it's com- continued with another three-point week for him. But apart from that, uh, there are some key, uh, key injuries here. Sean Couturier, first he had an upper body injury, and then COVID, and he's not skating yet. And that's uh, you're without your number one center for weeks at a time. That's not caused them to reshuffle their offensive deck, and they've put uh, Claude Giroux back at center ice to kind of mitigate that situation. So the offense has a bit of a different look with him centering Atkinson and Joel Farabee on the top line. Scott Lawton moves around. Like I said, he's, he's a serviceable guy here. He's playing second line minutes here, Travis connecting on his right wing and Oscar Lindblom on the second one. So, and then it goes really gets really thin, really fast. And that's something we're not used to talking about with the Philadelphia circumstance. But when you consider that they're missing Couturier, Kevin Hayes, Derek Broussard, just to name a few, that has really hampered this offense and really been a challenge for this team. And they haven't really got the mileage out of Ryan Ellis that they thought they would. He's been on the IR since uh, for as long as I can remember this season. So tough blow all over the place. Uh, they're not not getting what they bargained for. And it's been a challenging year for Carter Hart. And he's trying to do his part to right things and play a little bit better of late, but uh, still can't seem to keep opponents under three goals against. But at least he's not giving up six, seven or eight too often uh, like he was in struggling times last season. And so with that, let's take a breather and we'll come back to you with our remaining team, 10 team uh, outlook. And then of course our DFS plays on FanDuel and DraftKings. You're listening to Statsman and AJ Rotowire signature NHL hockey podcast. We'll be back to you right after these messages. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash blue wire. 
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing. But you know better, and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com All right, we're back, and uh, we have another reminder from AJ how to re- get in touch with us. Now that the trade deadline is coming around in the next few weeks, there's going to be a lot of rumors. There's a lot of questions uh, coming up in your pools about which way you should go for your teams, uh, whether you're contending or pretending, and whether you're selling off. So don't be shy about sending us your mock trades and that sort of thing. We'll be happy to weigh in, and we always enjoy those questions coming our way. AJ, how do people get in touch with us? Yeah, absolutely. As Paul said, you know, we love interacting with with people on Twitter, even if it's our friend at Real Kid Poker, Daniel Negreanu, uh, bashing my uh, pronunciations of of player names. But uh, you know what? We'll take it. Um, We love interacting with with everybody that listens. So we we welcome your feedback um, any time we can get it, whether it's uh, suggestions for the show or questions about your team. uh, Feel free to reach out to us at AJ Scholes 24 uh, for me. And then you can get Paul at Statsman22. Again, if we get any really good questions, uh, we would love to discuss those at the, the top of our podcast as well. And with that, Paul, I'll just dive us right in and take us to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Two and one this this last week, which, uh, you know, the, the one loss was a, a bit of a disappointment. Uh, 6-2 drubbing at the hands of the Kings. But all in all, when you can go out on the West Coast, and get four, uh, you know, four wins out of six games. It's it's a pretty good trip. Jake Gunsell continues to lead the way, just absolutely exploding for points nonstop. 18 points in his last 10 games. A um, little bit of concerning news just came across. Jason Zucker is, is 
currently listed as being on injured reserve. Um, I had not seen any details uh, about an injury here. Uh, so that that's obviously something that they'll have to, you know, watch out for. He was just one game back uh, from a previous, you know, seven game stint on the sidelines. He picked up two goals in a game against Vegas here. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's a big question mark um, that they're now suddenly contending with again, having Jason Zucker on the shelf, but um, they did get some good news recently with Danton Heinen and Zach Aston Reese, along with Casey DeSmith coming out of the COVID protocols. Uh, Tristan Jari will be between the pipes again for them tonight. And they'll just rely on, you know, Malkin and Kapanen are clicking well again. Jeff Carter was anchoring the third line. The Zucker injury could uh, shuffle that up. They had some pretty good chemistry with Carter, Malkin, and Kapanen making up uh, the second line. So we'll have to watch for tonight to see how that changes things around here. Um, If you're looking for a DFS option, again, it might come in late for you, but it's worth considering whoever does get that assignment on the Malkin-Kapanen line uh, in your lineup tonight. They might not cost you too much if it's a guy like Dominic Simone or Evan Rodriguez. AJ, when Vegas had their successful run at the expansion table, I thought, is the same thing going to happen to Seattle? And we have our answer. The answer is no. They had a nine-game winless streak snapped last week, finally getting a win in extra time. But it's been a long year for this club. They've been dealt their fair share, more than their fair share of injuries. Jaden Schwartz uh, with an upper body hurt right now. Morgan Geeky uh, with an upper body as well. So that's two guys out of the top nine that they normally would like to roll out offensively. And uh, yeah, Brandon Tanev, who's out longer term, that's another crippling blow offensively. Add in Jamie Alexiak, who's now listed as day-to-day with an illness, and so that roster looks pretty thin. Then I look at a couple of names on this team, AJ, and their ties to Toronto. They actually, the Leafs actually had Jared McCann's rights for part of the offseason, and I was excited about that, thinking how serviceable this guy was. He's kind of like what they have in Alex Kerfoot anyway, so I, I can live with that. But it would have been nice to have two such players in the mix uh, McCann has had a 15-goal season. I thought he would be one of the leading offensive pieces here, and ditto for Jordan Everly. They're, they're, they're doing what was expected of them. But the trouble for me is in, in the Nets. When I thought that they would be getting Philip Grubauer and Chris Dreger, I thought that was going to be a really solid one-two punch. Excited primarily about Dreger. He has had shown very well in whatever cameo opportunities he had in Florida, but it just really hasn't worked out for him. Health has been an issue as well and he's currently out with COVID right now he's only been in in on nine decisions the goals against is north of three which is about a goal higher than than his career rate and that tells you uh, how I feel uh, a little bit let down by what what he's been able to deliver so far and uh, you wonder if he was healthy how much better those numbers would be but they need all hands on deck and they just haven't had that that kind of success uh, health-wise and that's been a big part of why this team is looking like your typical expansion season franchise. For San Jose, that has been a little bit of a similar issue. They've dealt with injuries kind of throughout the the lineup, guys kind of coming in, coming out. For example, uh, just this week, they got Alexander Barabanov uh, back from the COVID list and then had to put Rudolph Balsers on the COVID list. Um, they've had times where, you know, their defensive core has been missing guys Uh, Carlson, Burns, uh, uh, Ferraro missed some time as well. So they're just starting to get 
back to 100% here. Um, and it's not surprising to see them go 1-1-1 one, one, and one last week. Uh, the primary driver of their offense for, throughout the season, but but again, highlighted this, this past week, was uh, Timo Meyer. Five goals in three games, two of those coming on the power play. Eric Carlson picks up four helpers. Tomas Hurdle with four helpers as well. Um, and the aforementioned Balsers got two goals for them uh, this this past week as well. So they're they're starting to get healthy. Again, I don't think that there's really a scenario where, um, you know, they're not a playoff team at this point, honestly, with how open the Pacific is. Yes, Edmonton in theory should be climbing up the standings and has some games in hand. Um but, you know, Anaheim, I don't think, is necessarily going to hold on to that spot. And so it, it'll come – it'll be close. It'll come down to kind of probably Anaheim, San Jose, um, and Edmonton probably for that, that last spot there. In St. Louis, AJ, they've done a lot of roster shuffling here because they finally got healthy. And it's got a, it's got a familiar look to it when you look at the top six. And I, I think it, it's worth going through it a little bit. Braden Shen on the left side. Ryan O'Reilly in the middle and David Perron, that's three veteran guys, all with Stanley Cups on their resume from a couple of years ago. And they are intact and firing right now. And uh, I expect big things from him, them the rest of the day should they stay healthy. On the second line, they've, they've settled on Ivan Barbashev to drive that unit from the center position. He's had a breakout campaign, as has Pavel Buknevich on his left side. And a healthy Vladimir Tarasenko rounds out that top six, which is, is a pretty formidable one when you think about it. And uh, Robert Thomas is a guy who we all remember from the playoff run as well. He is centering a line with Jordan Cairo, who is another breakout performer here, one of the best breakouts uh, in the National Hockey League. Brandon Saad as well, a guy with a lot of sandpaper to his game and a nice offensive touch. So that's a nine-pack that I would put up against any team in the league. And on the defense, they haven't got what they thought they would get out of Tory Krug. A bit of a disappointment with his numbers, I will say, AJ, when you consider only 22 points on the season. This guy was a guy that I thought if healthy could get 50 to 55, he's not going to get there. But still, when you consider they have him and they have Justin Falk and Colton Pareko, that's three pretty good pieces in terms of lugging the puck and playing a lot of minutes. And any good team needs to have those three pieces in place. The trouble for me right now is in nets. And I hate to slag on Jordan Bennington, but I'm going to. He first had dealt with COVID a, a couple of weeks back, and since his return has not looked like his usual self, his all-star form is, is something in the rearview mirror, and he's really struggling to find his game. In fact, uh, in three games where he's been sidelined by Billy Huso, Huso has been very good. And then they had a, a promotion from the Miners, too, who filled in admirably as well, former cast-off from the Montreal Canadiens, whose name escapes me at the moment. But the, the goaltending needs to fall into Jordan Bennington's hands, and uh, he has to run with the bit in order for this team to be a top-end team, and right now he's short of it. For Tampa, they are not short of anything right now. Uh, wins, they've got those four in a row with Vasilevsky uh, getting you know three three wins this past week. Um, and, in fact, he, he has that, that fourth win that was, that was last week as well. Stamkos, two goals, two assists. Hedman, five points. You know, if there's one uh, maybe concern on this team right now, it's the fact that Andre Palat uh, has missed the last three games, um, might uh, might not be ready for their next one either. And this is a guy that when he was hurt was on a four-game goal streak um, and just unstoppable in his last nine, six and six 
in those last nine games for those points coming on the power play. So he's a big part of their offense, but they've been rolling just fine without him. They are finally playing with both Kucherov and Stamkos, something that hasn't happened a lot this year uh, because right as Kucherov got healthy, Stamkos had to go out. They do have a banged-up blue line. Jan Ruta, Eric Cernak, both dealing with uh, with injuries here. But the top names, Victor Hedman, Mikhail Sergeyev, Ryan McDonough, they're, they're all still there. So um, it means a bigger role for Cal Foot, which is good for the team to get, you know, a younger guy. Uh, he's, you know, Foot is just 23. Get him some additional minutes and, and opportunities, I think, is good long-term. I mean, you look at his his minutes on the year, uh, you know, I think 18 was probably the high until uh, their their game on Tuesday. He logged 25 in that contest due to the other guys uh, being ruled out. But I, I think it's a good thing for them. So I expect Tampa to just continue to roll and, and all the names that are supposed to produce are, are really doing so right now. And it'll get only that much better when they get Andre Palat back. AJ, I want to put a bow on that St. Louis net mining situation. Charlie Lindgren was the name that I was looking for. He's back in the minors. He was called up on an emergency basis, and they couldn't retain him with the two healthy options they had in the nets and their salary cap situation. So Lindgren was the other serviceable piece that filled in very well while Binnington was out of the lineup. Now let's get to the Maple Leafs. Uh, they were one and one in a pretty quiet week last week. They got shellacked in New York last night after starting out very well. I was pretty excited about that first period, up 3-1, to one, and then the roof caved in. And it really highlighted the fact that this team is a bit of a concern defensively, maybe a large concern defensively. They're missing Justin Hall and Jake Musson. Effectively, those guys have been the shutdown pairing that they've put in place all season long. And it's been a bit of a subpar campaign for Musson overall, but still, you saw what they looked like without these two guys shutting down the top of full opponents for one night only, and I don't need to see it again long-term. So hopefully those guys get back soon. Uh, Hall is in COVID protocol. Muzzin dealing with concussion-like symptoms, so it's not like long-term situations for either one. Andre Kasha is another guy missing from their top nine, perhaps even a top six opportunity, the way he was playing earlier on in the season. But all the rest of the guys offensively are firing, and I'm satisfied with their level of production. Pretty heartened also by the fact that Michael Bunting and, and Mitch Marner ended lengthy scoring, scoring routes this past week. So the offense is in fine shape. Ilya Mikhaev is a guy that's worth mentioning as well, AJ. Uh, his nickname is Soup, too. They got two guys with the nickname Soupy on this team, including Mikhaoli and Mikhaev. But uh, Ilya Mikhaev is probably in line for a, a nice payday. Uh, at the end of the season. I don't know whether it's going to be in Toronto or not, though. He's an he's a, uh, unrestricted free agent at the end of the year, uh, getting a paid $1.6 million. I think he's a better player than that. Trouble is, he's been hurt much of the season. And uh, in terms of goals per games played this year, he's he's over the top uh, with, with a real nice run since he's gotten healthy. And uh, he fills out a pretty nice third line here with Engvall and Kent. They're uh, checking line that these guys are big they're fast and they, they don't mind the physical play and uh, camp one of the better face-off guys in the league too so the Leafs offensively no concerns but it's defense where I have a bit of a worry and it's translated into some of the poorest numbers that Jack Campbell's put out in his time in Toronto he's been shelled for 18 goals in his last four appearances well, Vancouver's about to have some serious question marks at, at goaltending um, based on just recent reports that came out uh, today. Thatcher Demko uh, failed uh, or had a positive for his uh, 
rapid test for COVID-19. They are awaiting, you know, the more uh, definitive PCR results to to confirm that that's the case. But if they are without Thatcher Demko, um, it's going to, like I said, be a real problem for them because Yaroslav Halak is also in the league's COVID protocols. Demko has played, you know, seemingly almost every minute for this team of late. I mean, you look on the year, he's uh, played 32 of 39 games, just carrying the the load for them uh, four games this last week. So it doesn't seem to really matter. You know, he, because of what happened, um, uh, uh, Halak was supposed to play the first game of a back-to-back, enters the COVID protocols. Demko ends up playing both games of that back-to-back, goes two and two uh, in those four contests. Two, five, two is the goals against average. So really uh, a good, um, good week overall. But yeah, it's going to be a huge problem right now. Um, their options are Spencer Martin uh, is, is currently on the squad here. Uh, not a guy that I'm, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with. His only NHL games came back in 2016-17 when he was with Colorado. He played in three games that year um, for their minor league team this season. Decent numbers, seven seven appearances. He's 5-0-2, a 9-2-1 save percentage. But, you know, the, the AHL ain't the NHL. It's just a, a fact. Um, and then uh, Michael DiPietro is the currently their um, – taxi squad goalie so he could be bumped up to the the backup or maybe even split time with martin if if demko's out here jt miller is another player uh, on this team that is in the same boat uh, failed the rapid test and is now waiting the pcr results so things in vancouver could get a little bit interesting here uh, moving forward aj they are already interesting in las vegas because they have to shuffle their lineup it seems like every day and news just came out earlier today that uh, one of their big guns is going to be out in the COVID protocol, and that's Mark Stone. So it's been a revolving door for many teams, but a couple of the big boys out of the lineup. When you consider this team's going to look a lot different when, if and when they can get Pacioretty, Eichel, and Stone in the lineup all together, that's going to be something to behold. This Somehow they've managed to struggle through uh, issues like this and, and get to first place in their division, uh, which was expected by, in many quarters, maybe not yours, I'll, touch on that but Robin Leonard's numbers have been affected by the the shuffling of the deck here it's nowhere near the season that he thought he was going to have and that's it's in fact a career low in terms of save percentage since dating back to his rookie season but it has much more to do with what's going on around him and he's put a put a brave front up in the face of a lot of adversity here uh, with his team on the ice Alex Martinez is now in protocol as well uh, even after coming out of the recovery from his facial injury, he was back at practice, but now he's out of co- in COVID protocol. So they just can't buy a thrill here uh, and get on a, a good run health-wise. Despite all that, one bit of good news is Evgeny Dadonov has filled in very admirably in in terms of a first-line role. He's picked up six points in his last six games played. They had a quiet week, only one game. It was a 5-3 loss against Pittsburgh, so not too much report uh, on the ice here. But hopefully the, uh, the club can get healthy down the road. In Washington, we're seeing a bit of a shuffling, if you will, of, of the net mining situation here. Uh, Vidic Vanasek is going to start again tonight, and that'll be his fourth appearance in the team's last five games. Uh, he is being given really an opportunity, I think, to take over 
uh, at minimum to play into a bigger share of the net mining duties, but he could challenge, you know, for the, for the full-time spot. And some of that comes as Ilya Samsonov is, is really struggling uh, in his last eight games. He's allowed three or more goals in seven of those contests. You know, he's still managed to pick up three wins despite the fact that he's giving up these goals. There's the benefit of playing with Alexander Ovechkin, but a 3.36 goals against average. This is a team that no doubt thinks of itself as a, as a cup contender and, and certainly should. Um, I'm not saying they, sh- they shouldn't there. Um, but if they're not going to get solid net mining, they're going to find themselves dropping down these standings. They, they've got 53 points right now. Uh, they're one point behind Carolina, but Carolina has four games in hand. They're two points ahead of Pittsburgh, but the Penguins have two games in hand. Um, so, you know, they're, they're a playoff team for sure, but they want to be, and no doubt, um, above that four spot because if you're the last, you know, if you're the four spot, you could end up playing Tampa, and I don't think anybody wants to play Tampa right now. So, um, you know, we'll we'll see, obviously, what happens with the net mining situation, but that has been the biggest storyline for them uh, in this last, you know, week or so. TJ Oshie, unfortunately, is back on injured reserve. Um, you know, he's already missed a, a couple games here. He'll miss at least two more and really has struggled to stay healthy and stay in the lineup for them right now. Uh, and that's stretching, I think, their top six. You know, you look right now, it's going to be Alexander Ovechkin, Uzgeni, Evgeny Kuznetsov, and Garnett Hathaway on the first line. And then your second line is Nicholas Backstrom, Tom Wilson, and Alexei Protas. So, you know, Shiri is also out um, in the COVID protocol. So that's compounding the issue as well. So some goalie shuffling, some depth concerns at, at forward, I haven't even mentioned the fact that John Carlson is sidelined plus Dmitry Orlov is facing a two game suspension may not be the best week for the caps. Uh, and, and they need to kind of figure these things out sooner rather than later. Well, and one guy that got to got to figure out his game is Connor Hallibuck. AJ, we had some fun with the Canadian projecting Canadian goalie at the Olympics. I don't think there was much doubt that Connor Hallibuck was going to be the guy for the U S in all seriousness. But if you look at it last Nine games that he's played, there's been four of them where he's given up at least four goals in each of those contests, including two in the last week. And so he's far from the top of this game. His goals against is north of where it's been for the last three seasons. In fact, all of one, all but one of the last six seasons have been uh, better than than what he's putting out this year. And again, it has a lot to do with the health of his roster in front of of him. And uh, we can touch on a couple of the issues there. When we note that Blake Wheeler has been out with a knee injury, he's back at regular practice, probably another week away before he gets playing. And I know if I, I, I if I was a guy that owned this guy, I would be hoping against hope that I could get some news about his situation. So that's why I was pretty pleased to find this bit, at least that says he may be a week away. And so there's something positive to anticipate in terms of his impending return. And then Paul Stastny with a lower body and COVID. It seems like a couple of guys that we've talked about today have had complications with just not just an injury, but COVID at the same time. So a bit of double jeopardy going on for them. He's been out for the last three games and may return tonight. Another welcome addition. And in the meantime, 
Andrew Kopp and Kyle Connor are the guys that are carrying the mail most recently. They had only two games this week, and Kopp got two goals and an assist. Connor, two goals and two helpers as well. So the Jets need to count on those guys to deliver the mail. But they're also hoping that Colt Perfetti uh, shows well in, the, in his introduction to the National Hockey League. The rookie has been highly regarded. Uh, he only aged 19. He's played five games for the club. He got a goal uh, to start his career uh, last last few days. Uh, on the 18th, he talked about playing against Alexander Ovechkin, and uh, both of them. Uh, he was a hero of, of uh, Perfetti, actually, and he said to be on the ice with him would be a real thrill. Both of them scored in the game. No surprise, Ovechkin scoring almost every game, but Perfetti uh, launched one of his own. Uh, hopefully the first of many in his young career. So uh, the Jets hoping to get healthy and get their goaltending situation straightened around. That's the highlights on that situation there. So that completes our look at the 32 teams as usual. A lot of news and notes, fewer notes about COVID, which I'm thrilled about, AJ, and I hope that trend continues. And uh, we have the challenging schedule going forward. And you talked about the fact that it's going to be a loaded plate for DFS. And uh, why don't we swing into that discussion now uh, anticipating the lineups that we bring to the table for FanDuel and DraftKings. You are the one that's normally charged with DraftKings, so I'll let you take it away and uh, let me know what you got in store. Yeah, so um, kind of a, a split strategy here. I've got, um, you know, usually I do pretty heavy on the stacks, and I, I do still have one here tonight. Um, but from there, I kind of pick and pick and chose my spots. And um, a lot of it is is matchup-based in, in addition to being, you know, obviously price uh Salary conscious, if you will. And that, that starts with Logan Couture here. 4900 is just a really cheap price range, I think, for, for Couture. Uh, he's going up against Seattle, so it's a good, uh, relatively easy matchup. Uh, I think ownership should be down a little bit when you consider the fact he's got just one point in his last four games. Um, but he is still on that number one power play, and, and that's a lot of what's going into this. Uh, you know, I would prefer, obviously, if he was somehow playing with Hurdle or Meyer, um, you know, rather than than Dolan and, and Gregor. But, you know, the fact that he's on the number one power play, he's cost conscious and is getting a good matchup, I think is a really good spot to to put him in. My other center begins uh, my, my stack here, and that's Tage Thompson for the Buffalo Sabres. You know, Paul, we kind of talked about Dallas had been, been struggling. Um, there's not always – the best opportunities to use uh, Buffalo, uh, they, they, you know, are playing good teams and, and tend not to fare very well. But I think this is an opportunity to kind of get on top of a struggling uh, Dallas side. And, and Thompson has eight points in his last nine games, three power play assists over that stretch. And so, again, top power play, first line center, good spot to be in. I'm going to pair him with Alex Tuck, who has really stepped in well. Um, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of credit on this one, Paul. You mentioned him in our DraftKings show earlier today, which, of course, if anybody's interested, you can catch us on YouTube. Paul and or myself is usually on there talking hockey pretty much every morning uh, in, between 10 and 11 uh, Central Time. So go check that out on YouTube. Quick plug for them. But you mentioned Alex Tuck, uh, seven points in seven games since returning or, or, you know, making his debut for Buffalo. And he pairs up well with Thompson also coming in at 4,900. So, you know, I haven't spent a lot. Tage Thompson, 53, Alex Tuck, 49, Couture, 
49 as well. So then my big gun here, and, and this is kind of where some of my stacking stops. I'm going to use Jake Denso tonight, 7,400 uh, 7, here. Great matchup against Ottawa. Um, the fact that he's not quite as pricey as some of the other wingers or the other forwards on the slate um, does seem to be a bit of a discount. And we talked about how it just absolutely lights out he's been. My other winger spot, I'm going to go over to Florida. Um, a decent matchup for them. You know, again, we've talked about Edmonton struggling. Their net mining is part of the problem, even if uh, <laughs> Leon Dreisaitl doesn't want to call out his teammate, which I totally get. But it is the biggest problem on this team. Carter Verhege, for his part, uh, has four, uh, I'm sorry, three multi-point games in his last seven contests, bringing him to five goals and three assists over that stretch. Uh, and so, again, a, a good matchup for him. My utility spot, I'm going to fill with Lars Eller, 3,100. Washington, not a great matchup. And they do have some, some depth concerns. But with the number of guys here that are filling into other spots, I think Lars Eller could see an uptick in minutes. You know, maybe they put him out periodically on the Backstrom line or the Ovechkin line um, just to get some more veteran experience out there. And so I do think it's a decent place to use Lars Eller tonight when you consider that price range. You, you know, you consider the fact that he's on the number two power play group as well um, and, and should see some opportunities. So at 3,100, I, I think he's kind of a steal here. Defensively, um, I'm going to go back to Buffalo, starting with Rasmus Dahlin. 4,700 tonight, a pretty cheap price range for a guy that's leading his team in offensive production among blue liners. 23 points already should be able to get back near that 40 point mark on the year. Um, the goals haven't been there of late. He is mired in a nine game goal drought, but he's got five helpers over that stretch, logging huge minutes, upwards of 24 minutes a night. And then the rest of the way, I'm going to go with the pens, Paul. I'm going to start with Chris Letang, 7,000, you know, Genso has been light lights out while well, Tanger Leads all defensemen in the NHL in points in the month of January here um, and has, you know, again, a guy that's just been absolutely lighting it up uh, for five multi-point games in his last 10 contests, including six power play assists. So even though it's a big price tag, he's at the top end of the, the price range here. I think you got to consider using him. And then I'll go with uh, Tristan Jari between the pipes, 8,400. Uh, a great matchup with Ottawa, who is really struggling on all fronts. And so, um, you know, they'll they'll struggle to put in goals um, and should be a good matchup for Jari to pick up the win here. Hey, Jay, I took a page out of your book a few weeks ago, and it's worked out very well for me with these mini, this mini stack idea. And that's the way I created my franchise for this evening. I went with three teams pretty much to make up my roster. No surprise that uh, – Florida should be central to this theme because I think they're going to pick away at the carcass that is the Edmonton Oilers, even though it's an Edmonton home game. I'm starting off with Alexander Barkov. AJ, I've had enough opportunity to watch this guy over the last few years, and uh, particularly this season. He's a tough guy to play against because he's got a mean streak as well as all the skills that he possesses. Big size, good size, and and he'll play. he can play with anybody anywhere on the ice, and he's having a fantastic season. That's why he costs $9,100, and I'm going big. On, on the center position there with him. I pair him with Thomas Hurdle, who's had a very nice campaign with San Jose, and he's now a fixture at center ice there on their top line. And I think they have a nice matchup in Seattle. We've talked about 
I talked about the fact that this is a Seattle team that basically won one of their last 10 games. I think they start another losing streak tonight, and Hurdle is going to be a big part of that coming in at $6,900. Beyond that, I continue to stack the uh, the uh, San Jose club with Alexander Barabanov. He's a cheaper uh, option on the wing at $4,600, but looking very good with Thomas Hurdle there. A far cry from the fourth-line role that he occupied in Toronto with very little success but he's having a ton of success most recently. Then I go back to Florida for Sam Reinhardt, working with Alexander Barkov. I didn't fill out any lines in total, AJ. I went with three pairs uh, offensively uh, to make up my roster. Uh, well, I should say, I should correct myself. I did put Carter Verhage in as one of my utility guys, so I'll jump down there and correct myself. So I have got the, the Florida top, uh, top line uh, intact there in this matchup against Edmonton. Verhage, $5,700, Barkop, $9,100, and Reinhardt for $7,100. I had to save some money uh, on the club, AJ, so I did that with uh, Evgeny Dadanov. I talked about the fact that Vegas has a a tough time staying healthy, but uh, I'm going to go with Dadanov tonight, uh, filling in admirably on the top line on left wing, playing with Chandler Stevenson, who's had an outstanding season, despite the fact that he hasn't played with the big boys much. He's almost at a point-per-game production, so it really doesn't matter who he's with. He's proven to me that he's a legit top-six forward and full marks for what he's done with Vegas this season. I'll continue the theme with Vegas on the blue line. Zach Whitecloud is probably not the top defenseman you think about. You probably lean toward Alex Petrangelo, but Zach Whitecloud has had a very nice offensive season, probably be the number two scoring defenseman on this team because uh, Alec Martinez has not been healthy much of this season. And Shea Theodore's been in and out. Uh, I guess Theodore's been better than him, I should say. So White Cloud would be the third defensive option. And I get him for $5,000, I think. Vegas is going to light up Montreal, even though they're missing a few pieces tonight. And I round out my squad with Mario Ferraro, uh, San Jose Sharks on defense. I think somebody's going to move the puck up to the big boys. And Ferraro also gets in the way of a lot of shots. So his uh, point total in, in FanDuel is buoyed by the fact that he blocks his fair share of shots, even if he isn't the highest scoring player in the league. So $4,100 is his price tag. And then behind the them all and Nets, I went with Aiden Hill. I went cheap in the Nets, but I think I still get a win prob- high win probability over Seattle. For that cheap uh, price tag, and Hill has been serviceable of late. And anytime you face Seattle, the win probability is high. So I'll go with that squad this evening, hoping to wind up in the winner's circle once again. AJ, that brings us to the end of another program. And uh, we have a fuller schedule of games to look forward to. And, and you touched on it earlier. It's going to be bit, get busy in the next few weeks for several clubs. We do have the all-star break that, that comes in the way. We didn't really talk about the All-Star rosters. We'll do that as that game approaches. But uh, suffice it to say that uh, a pretty normal NHL half season uh, awaits us, I think. Uh, I think the impact of COVID is dwindling, and uh, the clubs are optimistic that they'll get the rest of the games in without too much of a, a problem going forward. At least that's the hope, and I sincerely hope that that's the case. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, we're in we're in hopefully the, the home stretch here. Uh, I had talked a couple of weeks ago about how, you know, once we got under like 50 players in the COVID protocols, I was going to feel more encouraged. And that is where we find ourselves. We're uh, at most recent count, probably closer to the 40, 40 some range. Um, 
know, so we, we seem to be coming out of it. They're going to change some testing requirements. So that should lead to fewer cancellations and, and whatnot moving forward. So, um, you know, I think I'm still uh, still interested in the Olympic tournament, but it is going to be weird to have uh, games going on at the, the same time. It was weird four years ago. It'll be weird again to have kind of these Olympic games. Really, you know, actually, Paul, it's probably good for us. We'll have Olympic games in the morning. <laughs> and then in the evenings, we'll have NHL hockey. So what, what more could we ask for there? So it'll, it'll be fun uh, despite despite that. And like you said, we'll have we'll have a little break in there with the, the All-Star game. My recliner and my remote control are going to take a, a beating over those few weeks. I can't <laughs> wait to get started, AJ. Great, great way to leave it off for this show. That wraps up our look around the league. Uh, you're, you've been listening to podcast with Statsman and AJ. We thank, we thank you for listening to Rotowire Signature Hockey Pod, Fantasy Hockey Podcast. In the meantime, as always, we are pleased to remind you to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno at Statsman22. You can follow AJ at AJ Schultz24. As always, we invite you to listen to podcasts to get our tips to stay out of the competition. Your fantasy hockey planning and research. So long, everybody. 